Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of The Shoe with Shukri Writes on Pacifica Radio Network. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you, as always, for taking time to listen to the program. Always appreciate it. And as a reminder, you can listen to this program on demand on podcast, on The Shukri Writes Podcast, which you can find on iHeartRadio and wherever else you get podcasts as well. I got a great show lined up for you, and I can't wait to get into it. And we're going to start the show talking about the NHL as a whole. This isn't geared to us one particular team, but rather my thoughts on the experiment that was the outdoors game at Lake Tahoe. Because there were a lot of things that I really took note of, and one of the things that I really took note of was what a great setting it was for the outdoor games. Number one. Uh, let's start there. Listen, I understand that the league is hamstrung for money right now. And the reality is that with this coronavirus pandemic still raging right now, and things are getting better, that the league understands that it's losing money. That not all teams are able to have fans back in the arena right now. The New York Rangers, the New York Islanders, those two teams will become the first team in the Northeast this season to be able to have fans of any sort once the February 23rd uh, mandate passes where the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, will allow buildings and arenas and stadiums to to hold fans at 10% capacity. And as far as the other cities, they're not there yet. Texas, yeah. Maybe the Arizona Coyotes, yes, they are. Florida, yeah. But not all 31 teams in the league are at that place right now. So... One of the things that I am looking forward to seeing is we all are able to get to that point. But for right now, the reality is that the league realizes that, hey, you know what? We're, we're losing money. We got to come up with ways that we can be creative. They picked Lake Tahoe. And I love the location on so many fronts. Number one, you had the lake in itself. But what's really cool about it is that the lake literally sits on on a state line between two states, California, Nevada. How cool is that? You could be rowing your boat on a lake, and suddenly you're in California, or suddenly you're in Nevada. How awesome is that? And I thought that the setting was absolutely beautiful. And I hate to be the negative Willie, but there is a negative. And let's start with. The Colorado Avalanche and the Las Vegas Golden Knights game. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It's cold. People are out on the boats. Everything's perfect. Except one particular problem. And that is the sun. 99.9% of the time... In life, the sun is not an issue. It's not an issue. The sun is out. Oh, man, I'm in a better mood than I normally am in today. 
Oh, it's hot. It's the sun is out, man. Let's go out and get some sun. But when you're dealing with outdoor hockey, the sun is your enemy. And not because the sun can melt the ice, but rather because it creates a glare. It creates issues for the ice conditions. And that is what we saw in the game between the Colorado Avalanche and the Las Vegas Golden Knights in which that that game had to be postponed for nine hours. They didn't restart the game until midnight Eastern. How did you like them apples? (laughs) They didn't start the game until midnight Eastern, and that was one of the things that I thought that was absolutely mind-boggling was that the league planned for everything else except the sun. And the sun was a factor, and it said, "Eh, no, no, no. I think you should delay until after nightfall. And then here's the kicker. During the game, I noticed the referee falling. Players couldn't even keep their edges on the ice. And to me, it was it was as if, wow, you got everything else right, but the ice conditions with the sun, whew, not good, not good at all. And the part that I find to be amazing about all of this is this. When the game resumed, man, you talk about the product on the ice being beautiful. Let's start talking about the Las Vegas Golden Knights jerseys. Are you kidding me? Those jerseys were beautiful. Beautiful. Red jerseys, the Golden Knight logo. And then you have the golden um, the golden edges surrounding the numbers and the letters. Oh, beautiful. And then you got to give credit to the Colorado Avalanche here. They went back and pulled out their retro reverse jerseys, rolled back the clock to, to the Quebec Nordiques days, if you will. And you tell me that in itself was absolutely amazing to see. And I loved it because here's the thing. I'm too young to remember watching the Quebec Nordiques. I was born in 91. And I was a kid when the Quebec Nordiques moved from Quebec to Colorado in 1995. I was too young to remember. And I didn't get the chance to watch Quebec Nordiques play. And all I have now is just YouTube videos of old games of when the Nordiques used to play in Quebec. But to be able to see those jerseys was a thing of beauty. Absolutely loved the logo, the pants coloring, the socks, you name it. I thought that they did a remarkable job, those two teams, in terms of jerseys, the retro reverse. I absolutely loved it. In fact, I thought all four teams did a really, really good job in terms of the retro reverse jerseys. The Flyers, they went back to I believe what I thought was like the 1990s version, you know, with a more modern look. I loved it. The Boston Bruins, oh, 
the beautiful golden color, the, the yellow color, with, with the drunken bear on the side, the spoked bee that was semblance of the spoked bee that used as their uniform back in 1990. Absolutely gorgeous. And I'll be the first to tell you this. I think that the NHL should do this a lot more often. And I think that they will in the coming years to come. But I will also say this. When you think about the lessons that were learned by the NHL, one of them was that you can, in fact, do an outdoor game by a lake. It is very possible. Very possible. The only thing becomes now is can you plan in accordance to the sun? Because as they learned, and I think they should have learned this lesson years prior, as they learned that the sun can be a factor. Now, when I said that they should have learned this lesson years prior, I'm going to give you an actual true true, uh, example. Remember back in 2014, In New York, at Yankee Stadium, the NHL had the stadium series. They had the New York Rangers against the New New Jersey Devils. They had the Rangers against the New York Islanders, and so forth. The Rangers and Devils game, I remember, it was a Sunday. They were supposed to start it at a certain time. They had to delay the game because of the sun glare which became an issue if you remember that game was delayed because of the sun and how it was impacting not only necessarily the ice but rather the the vision for the players especially to when it came to like finding pucks and so forth tracking pucks that was an issue And you would think that the NHL would have learned from that experience, but that wasn't the case. And by no means am I slamming the NHL at all. Because by and large part, they did a really, really terrific job. In terms of the on-ice product, in terms of the players being mic'd up. (laughs) Let's talk about this particular moment. I don't know how many of you caught it, but it certainly made its way around social media. In which Vegas Golden Knights defenseman Alex Petrangelo, their big free free agent signing from this past offseason, formerly of the St. Louis Blues. He was on the ice and he saw Colorado Avalanche forward Nathan McKinnon coming down the ice. You heard him say, oh boy. Now, Petrangelo is one of the absolute best defensemen in the league. In fact, in my opinion, he's top five. But when you have one of the top five players in the league in terms of Nathan McKinnon coming down the right wing circle and you hear Petrangelo say oh boy and he turn on he fires a beautiful snipe to score man oh man that was a thing of beauty I don't know about you but I took that as an absolute beautiful sign from the players saying you know what that that dude is that that is a bad man. He's a bad man. And the and the words from Shaft, and pardon me if I get this wrong. Who is the man 
coming down the right wing circle. McCannon. McCannon is the man. He's coming down the right wing circle. Score! I'm telling you. I thought that moment was an absolute moment of beauty. And to top it all off, I want to leave you with this. There was talk of perhaps the NHL doing this in Alberta, in Canada at some point, and I and I think that they should and they will. And hopefully the world will be in a better place in terms of this pandemic and that we're no longer in a pandemic. And perhaps the NHL, considering that not all of its markets can hold fans right now, not even at 10%, I thought this was terrifically thought out, planned, in which that, listen, it was just the players, there weren't any fans, and if there were fans, they were probably sitting in the boats on the lake, chilling on the beach, and I loved it, I loved every minute of it, I loved the Vegas Golden Knights and the Avalanche game, I loved the Bruins, and as well as the Philadelphia Flyer game as well, I loved both games. I love what I saw, the pace, the chippiness, and that this wasn't just some sort of exhibition game. This was a game between two teams, two rivals, in which that they're going to be going at each other's necks all regular season long to compete for the postseason. And as of Sunday, February 21st, at 11.59 p.m. Eastern, Bruins... They were three points cleared of second place. They're in first place in the East right now. All in all, if you're an NHL fan, how could you not like what you saw from both games, from both games from Lake Tahoe? I thought in itself that considering all of the issues that the NHL has had in terms of the COVID protocols and teams having to go on pause, and the Philadelphia Flyers was a team that was snake-bitten badly in regards to the COVID-19 protocol, having had games postponed, players not being able to play. Considering all things, the NHL did a pretty good job. And I think one of the great things that the NHL has done up until this point is, is be able to figure things out on the fly. That they have to go out and... Perhaps, you know, wing some some of the things and so forth, quote unquote, and I and I use wing very loosely. Yeah. They're figuring this all out. They, they don't have the security blanket of a bubble like they did last summer in Toronto and Edmonton. They don't have that. They have the players and they're trusting that the players are going to be able to police themselves and hold themselves accountable and to do all that they can to ensure that they don't infect themselves and as well as their teammates. Is it perfect? No. Was it perfect? No. Has it been perfect so far? No. But the NHL, by and large part, they said, hey, you know what? These two teams, they got time in the schedule. Here's what we can do. Let's get these teams out west. Play on Lake Tahoe. 
Same with the Colorado Avalanche and the Las Vegas Golden Knights. They have time. Let's get these four teams out. Have it on national television. And let them play. I think fans will enjoy it. And I thought that NBC, by and large part, did a terrific job regarding the coverage, regarding setting the scene, letting the pictures do its talking. Because one thing I will say, this is specifically from the Bruins and Flyers game, is that I absolutely love the view of the sunset. And it was absolutely gorgeous. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the view of the sunset. But especially when you got the, the view of the mountains in the distance. Ooh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Spectacular. And I think that we as NHL fans should stand up and give the NHL a round of applause because this was absolutely well put and well planned. And the NHL deserves a round of applause. Considering all things... They were able to pull it all off successfully, and it went well. And I'm very proud of the NHL for being able to host successfully that two-day event out in Lake Tahoe. Coming up next, we're going to talk some baseball. And apparently MLB.com came out with the first power rankings of spring training for 2021. This top five list that they have here... (laughs) There's a chance it may upset quite a few fan bases. It's going to be fun. Stay tuned for that. You're listening to The Shoe with Shukri Wright right here on Pacifica Radio Network. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner. Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat. Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. John, we can't keep putting this off. Okay, I'll clean the gutters. I'm talking about your dad. Well, what can we do? He wants to stay in his house. We can make his house safer. Yeah, I worry about the steps. Perfect world, there are no steps, but he does have steps. And that banister only goes halfway up. And all those little throw rugs are falls waiting to happen. So what about his prescription meds? If he forgets and takes them twice, he could get really dizzy. Right. We could get him one of those daily pill counters. And he should have some sturdy hand grips in the bathroom and shower. This is all easy to do. You know he's a proud guy. He's not going to take all our fussing lying down. That's the idea. For older people, falling and breaking a hip can be devastating. For more tips on making homes safer, visit orthoinfo.org falls. A message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and the Orthopedic Trauma Association. Now please, clean the gutters. Just be careful on the ladder. When I grow up, 
I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy backsplash. I, I want to be a bike that races around the when country. When I grow up, I want to be a bench on a forest when I trail. Grow up, I want to be a rocking chair on when a sunny I up, porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be a... 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 When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. A public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. This is the sound of a brand new outdoor grill being hurled off a 20-story building. Now a stylish glass coffee table. An electric guitar. These are the things you could enjoy all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Visit energysavers.gov and get tips on how to save energy and money. Then do things like switch to Energy Star light bulbs or Energy Star appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. So this doesn't happen to the recliner you've had your eye on, or this to the treadmill on your wish list, or this to the shiny new bike your kid's been asking for. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show with Shukri Rights right here on Pacifica Radio Network. I'm happy that you took the time to listen to the program wherever you're listening, however you may be listening. Always appreciated. Grateful as always. Now, we're going to talk some baseball during this segment because, let's face it, baseball is back. Baseball is back and I couldn't be more excited and pumped. The reality is this. This week, in case if you didn't realize yet, but just an FYI, all 30 teams are doing full squad workouts this week. And it's exciting. Pitchers and catchers reported last week and now this week, the teams, they're all doing full squad workouts. Position players, catchers, pitchers, relievers, you name it. Full squad. And they usually do this right around the time in which that they are about to start playing exhibition games. And spring training games, in fact, begin on February 28th. And I can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait. That means one thing, one thing only, ladies and gentlemen. We're inching towards opening day, which is on April 1st. I can't wait. I am excited beyond belief. And you want to know what else? That also means that we're getting a much clearer picture view of teams for the 2021 season in terms of expectations, in terms of what are some of the things that these teams are going to be aiming towards. There are teams that have a realistic chance to compete for a World Series title. There are teams that, frankly, they don't have a shot to contend at all for the postseason, let alone a World Series title. 
Which is why that the first power rankings of spring training 2021 is so fascinating. Because we've had more than a week now to really get a full picture, a full view of the pitchers and catchers for these teams, the pitching staffs, the starters and the relievers in regards to who they are, what they are, and what can they possibly be during this 2021 season. Now, you have the, a picture of who and what they are. The real question is, whether these teams ranked. Now, MLB.com came out with these rankings, and I will be the first to admit, this first one in particular is going to upset quite a few people. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. I'm going to tell you who's on number five. These are the top five power rankings of swing training 2021. Who's number five on this list? The New York Mets. Why are the Mets ranked higher? Oh, my gosh. Look at the bias. No, 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 no. MLB.com came out with the ranking, so please spare me the the complaining and the moaning and the groaning. Save that for Twitter. I'm not that guy. Personally, I think they are ranked where they should be ranked. I'm going to tell you why. The fact that the Mets are even ranked top five says a lot about the offseason that the New York Mets have had up to this point. Listen, I'm going to start off by saying this. They went out and they signed Tawan Walker just recently. And they also went out and they signed Kevin Pillar. Listen, Kevin Pillar is not that highlight reel defensive center fielder anymore like he was when he was with the Toronto Blue Jays. But the truth is, he is still a, a pretty darn good defensive outfielder, defensive center fielder. And that's something that the Mets needed this offseason. They got that. But let's turn our attention to the big fish, shall we? Remember when the baseball world was in awe when the Mets went out and they acquired Francisco Lindor, the best trust stop in the game right now from the Cleveland Indians, in addition alongside with Carlos Carrasco, whom, by the way, is now a legitimate add to this Mets rotation that is going to be pretty deep in 2021. Let's look at the Mets rotations, starting rotations. We all know it's headlined by the best pitcher in baseball right now, the best starting pitcher in baseball right now, and Jacob DeGrom. No ifs, ands, buts about it. There's no argument. DeGrom is the best starting pitcher in baseball. And then you follow that up. Noah Syndergaard, he's going to be returning this coming June. And then also you got Marco Stroman as well in that rotation and I think that he's going to have a pretty solid year for the New York Mets and then number four you you also add Carlos Carrasco as I mentioned to that rotation and then Tawan Walker as your number five this is a pretty solid rotation especially your top three if not your top four that's a pretty good rotation right there on paper but then you turn and you look at the offense and you say, okay, 
I really like what I see. I like what I see in terms of, yeah, Pete Alonso in the middle of that order. As I mentioned, Francisco Lindor, he is going to be your number three hitter. If you want to put him number two, fine. But I think he's better slotted to be your number three, especially if he can provide you 30 home runs, 100 runs batted in. Why not? What is there not to like about the New York Mets? And then, oh, oh, by the way, they went out and addressed the bullpen woes that, that they had from before. They added depth to, to the bullpen. If you're going to be honest and you look at the 2021 New York Mets, they had an excellent offseason. This team is going to have high expectations, and rightfully so, because they have the pitching. Can they stay healthy? That's going to be the big question. And we're also going to see Francisco Lindor, first season in Queens, in Flushing. Can the Mets live up to the expectations? That remains to be seen. But, oh, by the way, just like the late 90s and 2000, there's another team in the division that is better than the Mets right now. Who is that team? That's the Atlanta Braves. Sorry, Mets fans. This is the God honest truth. When you have a reigning National League MVP in your lineup and Freddie Friedman, I got bad news for you. That dude has a legitimate chance to repeat as MVP. Because he was that good in 2020. But let's not stop there, shall we? Because the Atlanta Braves, they needed rotation depth. Badly. Badly. What did they do? All they did was they went out and they signed Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley. Which added rotational depth. And let's be honest. When the Braves were dominant... In the 90s and early 2000s, what did they have? Pitching, 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 and more pitching. That's a fact. And then you talk about offense because, let's face it, you got to have offense. You got to be able to score runs to support your pitching staff. The fact that the Atlanta Braves, they they re-signed Marcelo Zuna despite And I mean despite his defensive shortcomings because he is not a good defensive outfielder. But this is a guy who offensively can absolutely rake. He can hit home runs. He can drive in runs. This guy is the type of guy that you need in your lineup that can protect Freddie Freeman. Let's be honest about something here. The Atlanta Braves right now, and I do mean for right now, this is a team that is better than the Mets. But the Mets are not far behind at all. And to add to that, let's add to that, shall we? The New York Mets, they have depth at the starting rotation. So do the Atlanta Braves. Let's be real. In fact, I want to go a little deeper than that. Who do the Braves have in the rotation? Mike Soroka. Absolute stud absolute stud of a power pitcher from the right-handed side. Max Freed, the left-hander, 6'4", 190. This guy is developing into his own, and he is going to be absolutely scary. And then, oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we got a taste of Ian Anderson last year in October. He's coming back. 
and he's going to be better than what he was. And as I mentioned, you got Soroka, Max Fried, and Ian Anderson. And now you add in the veteran Charlie Morton, who is seemingly getting better with age, who can still bring it with his fastball from 95 to 97 miles per hour. This pitching rotation for the Atlanta Braves, they throw heat. They bring a lot of firepower in terms of the pitching rotation. That's why right now, I got the Braves ahead, and MLB.com's got the Braves ahead of the Mets in terms of the top five power rankings in terms of all of Major League Baseball. And dare I say, who's number three on that list? (laughs) Hmm. Let's see. The New York Yankees. Now, the Yankees I'm going to spend a little bit more time on than any other team on this list, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the New York Yankees have some legitimate questions going into 2021. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you to the national audience and and whoever and wherever you may be listening the following. This could be a make it or break it year for the New York Yankees in terms of their young core. And when I say young core, I'm talking about guys like Luis Severino. I'm talking about guys like Gary Sanchez. I'm talking about Aaron Judge. I'm talking about Gleyber Torres. I'm talking about guys who were either drafted or came up in the Yankee farm system. This is it. This could be the make or break year. The Yankees, over the course of the last four years, have come close. They got to the ALCS in 2017 and 19, fall short both times to the Houston Astros. And now last year, they lose to the Tampa Bay Rays, the eventual American League champions in the ALDS. But here's the reality with the New York Yankees in 2021. Clint Frazier, he is projected to be the starting left fielder. Even with the return of Brett Gardner, and I thought that the, the Yankees should have made this deal a lot sooner, but I'm glad that he finally got that deal done. One year, $4 million, and a team option for 2022. Clint Frazier, he's, he's going to be the starting left fielder. And then you still got Aaron Hicks in center field, and the big key is going to be, can he stay healthy? Can this guy stay off the, stay off the injured list? Aaron Judge, he's going to be in right field. And let me tell you something. Aaron Judge, maybe the one Yankee in 2021 that I look at and say, this guy has the most to lose. And I'm going to tell you why. Aaron Judge, since 2017, has not been able to play at least 155 games in the regular season. And that is because of the injuries that he has sustained over that time. That's problematic. Now, Aaron Judge, by all accounts, changed his his workout regimen and his routine this offseason. Started incorporating more yoga. We'll see how that translates and so forth. But here's the reality. The reality is this. The New York Yankees have not been able to have an outfield Stay healthy in the last four years. 
I'm talking about at the same time. Stay healthy all at the same time. Brett Gardner has been the healthiest of them all. Aaron Hicks, a frequent visitor to the injured list. Aaron Judge, a frequent visitor to the to the uh, injured list. John Carlos Stanton is no better either. Although he is an outfielder, but he is primarily the DH. But here's the harsh truth. Neither any of those three guys, as I mentioned, Hicks, Judge, or Stanton, have been able to stay healthy. But I'm focusing on Aaron Judge in particular right now. Because he's going to be a free agent right around the corner. And the Yankees are going to have a major decision to make. He has long been considered to be one of the faces, if not the face of the New York Yankees. No question. But how are you going to pay a man that has yet that has not been able to stay on the field for more than 120 games in the last three full seasons? 2017 was the lone exception. 2017, he played in 155 games. That was the year that he won the American League Rookie of the Year. He hit a then MLB rookie record 52 home runs. 2018, 112 games. 2019, 102 games. 2020, in a 60-game shortened season due to COVID-19, 28 games. But you catch my drift. This man has not been able to stay healthy. This is the year that he really has to show that he can't play in at least 145, if not 150 games in order for the Yankees to even consider investing in him long term. I get the sentiment. I like Aaron Judge, the player. I like Aaron Judge, the person. But at the end of the day, it's about can you perform on the field? Can you stay healthy? That's been the big knock on Aaron Judge. Which is why I said that this year could be a make it or break it year in terms of this Yankee core. And I stand by that fully. And then the other part of it for the Yankees in 2021 is the depth in the rotation. We all know that Garrett Cole is the man. And we saw last September in the success that he had with Kyle Higashioka it was night and day as compared to when he was pitching with Gary Sanchez behind the plate. That's a fact. So that remains to be seen. But one of the big things that I'm going to be looking at is how is manager Aaron Boone going to slot the rotation behind Garrett Cole? They went out, the Yankees that is, they went out and they signed Corey Kluber. One-year deal. Low risk, high reward type of deal. Jameis Talian, the former Pittsburgh Pirate, who played with Garrett Cole in, in Pittsburgh. They are now with the Yankees. As well as, you, when you look at the Yankee um, pitching staff, you look at guys like David Garcia. This is going to be his first full season. He made his debut last fall. Jordan Montgomery. Michael King. Severino is going to be returning at some point. And then the big question marks that are going to be surrounding the New York Yankees as a team as a whole in regards to how it handles the Domingo Herman situation. He's back, but he has not been received warmly by his teammate, most notably Zach Britton, who did not mince words about how he feels about Domingo Herman. 
that's going to be something to keep an eye out for. Now, as far as the rest of the top five rankings go, this was something that really stood out to me. Number two, the San Diego Padres. For those of you who have been listening to the show and been following the show, I did a show a little while back talking about the San Diego Padres being a legitimate threat to the Los Angeles Dodgers in the National League West in 2021. But here's the truth. You know, as a casual baseball fan about you, Darvish, and Blake Snell. Blake Snell, as you remember, he was with the Tampa Bay Rays in 2020. Was infamously pulled by Rays manager Kevin Cash in Game 6 of the 2020 World Series. One of the all-time major blunders in World Series history. Don't come at me, Rays fans or Kevin Cash fans. That's just the God-honest truth. Now he's in San Diego. And now you look at the San Diego Padres. And I talked about Denison Lamette once before on this show. This guy is the real deal. I don't know if you, if you, the baseball fan, have known about Denison Lamette for a little while now. But this guy could have been the big difference had he been able to stay healthy. And it's a shame that his, his 2020 season came to a close because he was not able to stay healthy. He did start 12 games in 2020. 3-1 with a 2.09. But I'm telling you, you, got, you get a full season out of Dennis and Lamette, he is going to be absolutely just devastating for the Padres against the other opponents in the National League West. But when you look at this pitching staff for the San Diego Padres, how do you not like this rotation? I love this rotation. You Darvish, and as I mentioned, Dennison Lamette, Blake Snell. But then let's not forget Chris Paddock, Joe Musgrove. How do you not like this rotation? This rotation is young. With the exception of you, Darvish, these guys are 30 and younger, by and large part. Mike Clevenger is, thir- is 30 years old. He turned 30 back on December 21st. But right now, he's on the injured list, 60-day injured list. But you look at the other five guys that I mentioned, Chris Paddock, Joe Musgrove, Dennis and Lament, Blake Snell, you Darvish. The oldest is Darvish. But in terms of just sheer stuff, power pitching, my God. If Lament can stay healthy, the only other team you look at in the National League West and you say that their rotation can rival the San Diego Padres, the Los Angeles Dodgers. But before I get to the Dodgers, I want to touch on something here. If you are a baseball fan, I'm sure you heard about the monstrous news that broke about Fernando Tatis. Because let's let's talk about Fernando Tatis for a moment and ask why this Padres team is ranked so highly in terms of the in terms of the power rankings. But honestly, my personal power rankings for the 2021 season, the Padres are top three. I'm expecting this team 
to absolutely challenge the Dodgers for the National League pennant in October. But as far as the Padres go, the monstrous news that broke in regards to to Fernando Tatis Jr., 14 years, $340 million contract extension, is the third highest contract in Major League Baseball history. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I understand that Mike Trout has been the face of baseball for quite a while now. But mark my words, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be the next face of Major League Baseball. He is that good. And if 2019 wasn't enough, he proved it again in in a shortened season in 2020. It will be fun to watch to see how it all plays out when you look at what he will be able to do over the course of 162 games. The San Diego Padres are that team. And this team is not only built for now, but they're built for the future. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the San Diego Padres in 2021. Now, the number one team on the power rankings for 2021, spring training, the Dodgers. I mean, can any knowledgeable baseball fan be surprised by that? I mean, how? After all, no big deal. They're just the defending World Series champions, right? Please hold the, oh my God, asterisk. They didn't do it over the course of a full season. Hold that. Hold that, please. Whether you agree with it or not, they're still the defending World Series champions. And here's the truth. The Dodgers... They're going to have a lot to prove in 2021. Not only that they're going to be out to prove that 2020 wasn't a fluke, that they can dominate over the course of 162 games and in October, they're going to want to go out and show the world that we went out and we got the defending National League Cy Young Award winner Trevor Bauer that this team can dominate over the longest stretch of a season that they did in 2020. I mean, think about this. Without Trevor Bauer, they're already considered to be the best team in baseball. Like, that was, that really wasn't up for debate. Well, what do you mean they're the best team in baseball? Yeah, they are. Mookie Betts, should I go up and down the roster? Clayton Kershaw, future Hall of Famer. Also, as well as, you turn around, you talk about a young guy like Walker Bueller who right now is their ace. I mean, I can go up and down. What it, What is exactly not to like about the Los Angeles Dodgers entering spring training? As I mentioned, I talked about the talent they have on this roster, both in the rotation and in terms of the position players. I mean, goodness. Clayton Kershaw, he's entering a contract year. And this year is going to be absolutely interesting to see how it all plays out. Because, let's face it, Kershaw is a Dodger. He wants to stay in Los Angeles. And even now, given that he is a veteran, quote-unquote, this is a man who is going to be entering his age 33 season. And this man has proven to be worth every single penny that the Dodgers have given him. 
But as I talk about the rotation, I mentioned Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller. But we can't forget about someone by the name of David Price who's going to be coming back. After opting out the 2020 season, David Price is returning. And he's going to have something to prove. Dustin May. He's going to be competing for a spot in the rotation. But then don't forget about guys like Julio Urias and Tony Gonsolin as well. Those guys are going to be competing for a spot in the rotation. But you talk about the first four slots in that rotation being filled. Man, how do you not like what you see with Bauer, Bueller, Price, and Kershaw? Those are your first four starters. The fifth spot will go to either Dustin May, Urias, or Gonsolin. And then you look at the position players. Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, who who returned. And then you also got Corey Seager. All he did was go out and win the NLCS MVP and the World Series MVP for the Los Angeles Dodgers. No big deal. But you look at this Dodger team, and they're loaded from top to bottom, 1 through 25. And there's a reason why that they are still considered to be the consistent favorite to repeat as World Series champions in 2021. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The reality is that this team has a serious contender in the, in the San Diego Padres. And the Padres, are they good enough? To compete with the Dodgers? Yes. Will they unthrone the Los Angeles Dodgers in the Asher League West? That remains to be seen. Your guess is as good as my guess. We're only in spring training, folks. But let me tell you something. 19 games between the Dodgers and the Padres. Folks, this is going to be must see TV for 19 days this upcoming 2021 season. How could you not be fired up for the Dodgers and the Padres in the National League West? And if you're in New York, how could you be not fired up for the upcoming season for the Yankees and the New York Mets? What is there not to like? And as well as you got to show some Atlanta Braves love here. Well, I am. Because after all, the Braves are still the defending National League East champions. And until the Mets prove that they can beat and contend with the Atlanta Braves, the National League East division is still the Atlanta Braves to lose in 2021. This is no disrespect to the Mets. This is just being honest. You still have a lot to prove. And I'll be the first to tell you, the 2021 MLB season is going to be musty TV on a nightly basis. If you are a hardcore baseball fan like I am, and trust me, I'll be watching a lot of baseball throughout this entire 2021 season, given that we do and we will be having a full season, there's going to be a lot of interesting storylines. And I want to use the final few minutes of this program to talk about the Boston Red Sox because the Boston Red Sox, they came out the other day, and I'm talking about Eduardo Rodriguez in particular. Now, I want to highlight Eduardo Rodriguez for a reason for a moment because this guy in 2019 had a career year. He was dynamic for a team 
that into the 2019 season as the defending World Series champions, unfortunately, did not repeat and didn't even make the playoffs. But this guy won 19 games, made all 33 starts. However, he missed the entire 2020 season due to COVID-19. And then, unfortunately, he also had that heart condition in which that he was diagnosed with the myocarditis. This is a guy that really came out and said the other day, do not sleep on the 2021 Boston Red Sox. I had to laugh. I honestly had to laugh, and I'm going to tell you why. Listen, if the Boston Red Sox are going to be taken seriously in 2021, let's start with self-realization. Let's admit to yourself, first and foremost, that there are three teams. There are three teams right now in the AL East that comes to mind, and I say, you're not better than those three teams. That is the Yankees. You're surely not better than the Yankees. Number two, you're not better than the Tampa Bay Rays, who, by the way, even though they lost um, Blake Snell in that trade, they, they traded him away to San Diego, they still got a pretty good team. Number three, you're definitely not better than the Toronto Blue Jays. And all they did was, oh, all they did was just go out and, um, and sign uh, George Springer. Arguably the best center fielder in the game right now. One of, at least. Excuse me. I know. Sorry. Mike Trout. My bad. He's probably the best center fielder in the game right now. Not named Mike Trout. So let me make that clear. So the Boston Red Sox, listen, with all due respect... I don't see this team contending for the division. A wild card spot, if all things go well, sure, most definitely. Why not? I mean, after all, as of right now, we're going back to the previous playoff format, and that is you have the three division winners, and then you have your two wild card teams, and the two wild card teams we're playing for the in the wild card game. That's the postseason format in 2021. But here's the truth. About the Red Sox in 2021. You don't know what you're going to get when Sale comes back. And he's going to still be out for a little while. Now, this is what your rotation looks like. Nathan Eovaldi. And then you have newly acquired Garrett Richards. Maybe prospect Tanner Huick could make his debut this season at some point. Nick Pavetta. Martin Perez. And I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking you think that this team is going to be good enough to contend for a wild card spot in 2021? I'm not so sure. I like the position players that they have. JD Martinez. I think he's going to rake. I think he's going to have a bounce back season after a very very subpar 2020 season. Alexander Bogarts. Another guy who I think will will be back to playing at a level in which that he know that he can. As well as Rafael Devers. And then you also got the return of Red Sox manager Alex Cora, who was let go 
prior to the start of the 2020 season after his involvement in the Astros cheating scandal, but was brought back during the offseason. So I think and I wholeheartedly believe that the Red Sox, listen, Erod, this Red Sox team, can they contend if all things go well? Sure. For the wild card, sure. But is this team a championship team? No. I don't see it. I don't see it that way at all. And I know Red Sox Nation is going to want to come and say, you're just a hater. No, I'm not a hater. I'm being very honest with you. Be honest with yourself. You really think that that Red Sox bullpen is going to be good enough to contend throughout the entire season with the powerhouse teams in the American League like Tampa Bay, the Yankees, the Chicago White Sox? Yes, the Chicago White Sox. Who is that team in the AL Central in 2021? In fact, I'll go out on the ledge and say right now, the Chicago White Sox are that team that will win the AL Central in 2021. Make that my first prediction of the 2021 season, ladies and gentlemen. That is, I don't think that's a hot take. I think it's fact. I think it's honest fact. The Chicago White Sox will win the AL Central in 2021. But as I was saying, the Red Sox, they they just they're not good enough. They're not good enough to contend with the elite teams of the American League. And as I mentioned, the Yankees, the Rays, the White Sox. I would even throw in the Oakland A's. The Houston Astros, <laughs> I'm not entirely so sure. They do have some major question marks of their own. After all, Justin Verlander is going to miss the entire season with Tommy John. So with that being said, I ho- I really believe that the Red Sox, I'm not going to sleep on the Red Sox, but am I going to, am I going to take them seriously? No. That is going to be all for this edition of The Shoe with Shukar Rights on Pacifica Radio Network. I hope you enjoyed the program. We are going to be back talking baseball heavily moving forward. We'll mix in some NHL talk as well and some NBA talk as well moving forward. But I hope you enjoyed the program. Hit me up on Twitter at Shukri Wrights and as well as on Instagram at S Wrights Radio. Twitter spelled out at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S. Instagram at S Rights Radio at S W R I G H T S R A D I O underscore. Look forward to talking to you next time. Take care and God bless. Peace.